Well, this is sure better seeing you all here than talking to just the microphone. It's really lovely. We feel so at home here with our brothers and sisters. A couple of, maybe two weeks ago, uh, during my daily reading, I came across Psalm 131. And a couple of verses in there really piqued my interest. Uh, as some of you may know, I, we were in, um, in the north of Iraq and for about 10 years I had the privilege of doing health and breastfeeding advice in two clinics there. And one of the things that I often got asked was, when do I wean my child? And this was quite a big issue because uh, some mums would like to wean at six months and some mums they would like to go on till six years. And uh, I would always advise them, well, try at least till six months. And if you want to go on to four years or longer, as long as you're both comfortable, go ahead. Now, David, King David, was a very observant man. And remember, this was the time before bottle feeding. He was a very observant man. He observed that weaning was actually a really difficult process for a lot of mums and babes. This is what it says in Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I've calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. And then I would like to read it to you from the message. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose pl plans. I've kept my feet on the ground I've cultivated a quiet heart, like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. We've come through rather a difficult time together as a nation, as a world, and in some of our lives, the storms are still raging, it may even be today. When a child is weaned, this is what Spurgeon says about it. Like a weaned child is my soul. The phrase is repeated for emphasis. The process of weaning may seem strange and terrible for a child, but it is necessary for the child's development. The weaned child comes to realize that the denial of the mother's gifts does not mean the denial of the mother's presence. He comes to love the mother herself instead of the gift received from her. And I was thinking of our brothers and sisters in Iran, in North Korea, all over the world, who are in a situation that they don't understand, a really tough situation 
and some of them may be railing against God. We may be railing against God like a baby rails against its mother when she withholds the milk from him. But at the end of the day, many of them, and I hope all of us, will come to the conclusion it doesn't really work if we rail against God, if we tell him we don't understand and we want things to be different. One of uh, the uh, people in the persecuted church received a visitor from the West and the visitor was talking to him and saying, we are all praying for this uh, persecution to be taken from you. And this older gentleman, persecuted Christian, looked at him and said, please, don't pray for it to be taken away from us. Pray that we will persevere and that we will glorify God in the midst of this, uh, this ordeal. And David observed that once the baby realizes that there is something better for him, the child realizes there's something better for him, and that the mother still loves him and has better things for him, the child actually comes to rest. And David says, I quieted my soul. And how do we do that? How do we quiet our soul in the midst of, of difficulties, in the midst of grief? For me, it is when I remember the Lord Jesus saying, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give rest. I will give rest for your soul. And I have to do it regularly. I have to say regularly to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand this situation. I find it really difficult. It's keeping me awake at night. I come to you. Please give me your rest. And I find it works. It's not the same for everyone. Some, other peop some, some people may have to go to a friend, to another believer and say, please pray with me so God can quiet my soul. And then the message finish, finishes like this. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope, because he is the mother who knows what's good for us. He is the mother whose presence is with us, whom we can go to. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. And for Wait Israel, you can fill in your own name. Wait Werner, Wait Henny, Wait Dan, fill in your own name. Wait with hope, hope now, hope always. And continue with the Bible reading which is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Wonderful to see such a full church. There's only one chair free. This is quite amazing, isn't it? <laughs> so I brought this book, New Testament Introduction, and I will not, won't talk about that. That's just my first prop. You know, that's that's it. So there was this. Uh, how shall I start? You probably all remember the 21 Coptic Christians that were taken onto the beach in Libya and were beheaded one by one. It went out on the internet and, and if you, I won't rec recommend you to watch the video, but it, it's just horrific. But I'm not sure whether you've heard when they were doing the beheadings, they talked and challenged every single person. You can denounce Christ and Jesus, and then we shoot you in the head instead of cutting your throat. And every single one declined. He said, no, I'll die for Jesus. And then I don't know whether you've heard that one of the 21 was actually a Muslim. And they don't know how he got in this crowd of the, the 20 Coptic Christians, but they caught him as well, and he was also taken onto the beach in the, the orange jumpsuit. And I think he was number 15 or 16 when it came down to the beheadings. And they also challenged him, you know, do you denounce Christ? He said, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Muslim. But after hearing what these guys have said, I follow Jesus. And it makes you wonder, why this perseverance? You know, how come the Christians persevere through all these difficulties? And I've thought about this and I come up with three possible reasons why Christians might persevere. Now, also, when we look at the persecuted church, it's something that we can learn from. I forgot to switch it on. It, it, these are people that we can learn from. You know, it, it's not that they're all sad and, and you know, we have to feel empathy for them and, and feel very sorry for them, but we can actually learn from them. And one of the challenges I had in the beginning of this COVID crisis, the, especially the first half year, whenever I heard Christians, a lot of them were scared to die. And which, which basically baffled me, like, why are the Christians sad to die and afraid and scared? You know, and especially one particular one in, in Holland jumped out at me at the time and I was corrected at it, but it came across like he was really panicking about dying. And then when you look at the Christians, they don't, in, in general, they don't seem to be panicking about dying. Actually, they say, no, I'll be happy to die. And I've mentioned this uh, example to you before. It, this is Bishop. 
when he was asked, what will happen to you when, when ISIS comes and, you know, and occupies this, this church? And he answered his priest, they will die you, they will kill you quickly. But with, when they come to me, they probably do it very slowly and torture me and, and, you know, make me suffer. And he added, but I'll be happy to die for Christ. You know, and then when I look at, at the church in the West, why don't we learn from the Christians in the East, in, in the persecuted world? That they got such a testimonies that we can look at and we can grab hold of that and say, yeah, I want to be like that. One of the, last week they did a little survey on, on the teams from the devotions from Open Doors. And, and they were asking every person, what, what do you miss most during this pandemic time? And in, in, in general, the thing came, the isolation, that we are not in church and so on. And then when you look at the church in the East, that's their life for a lot of them. They, they cannot unite in the church, but they are united in isolation. So that, that, I thought that was a great expression, united in isolation, the church in persecution. And our church, we are united in isolation because we're at home and yet we are one. So one of the, the first things I came, came up, why Christians might persevere, is that they actually take Jesus at his words. And you, you might think, okay, that, that sounds straightforward, but when Jesus says the persecuted are the blessed ones, the persecuted church go like, yeah, we want to be blessed, we want to be persecuted. As Hanny mentioned earlier on, you know, don't pray that persecution goes away. They, uh, the Baptist Convention in America a couple of years ago said, we take on, on a, a resolution that we get rid of persecution in the world. And we checked it straight away the same day with the church in Central Asia. and said, this is what the church, the Baptist church says. And they said, please don't, because if we want to stop persecution, we just stop talking about Jesus. Then the persecution goes. So don't, we, we, we want this persecution because we want, to share, we want to share about Christ and Jesus. Because the persecuted are the blessed ones. Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12. And the meek will inherit the earth. If Jesus says he will look after his children, he will do so. The persecuted Christians believe this is true. They take Jesus at his words. He will look after them. When you go through the valley of death, you go through it, actually, because Jesus is on your side. And then they come up with the conclusion, well, if the valley of death finishes there with death, you know, what is worse than dying? Because you go to heaven, you be with Jesus himself. So it's not all that bad to go and, and die. But they say, Jesus looks after us. When I'm on the beach with a knife at my, my neck, Jesus is there with me. The second one is they don't look for loopholes. The Christians, when they read the Bible and they say, uh, have, have you, love your enemies, they don't say, oh yeah, but you know, this particular enemy, he smacked me in the face. I don't want to love him. No, they say, no, you have to love this guy. They say, yeah, but this enemy, he threw my family in prison. Love this enemy. No, you, you all know uh, Corrie ten Boom, you know, in, in the German prison camp. And she faced one of the, the prison guards after, years after the prison camp, and she really hated this guy, you know, and wouldn't know how to deal with him. 
But when she saw him, she could forgive him in Christ. And that's what the Christians do. They, they don't look for loopholes. They do what the Bible says. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. No loopholes, no matter what. Forgive. No way out. Forgive the other person. Turn your other cheek. Third one, they understand the meaning and the power of the cross. Because without the cross, there's no eternity. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness. So they, have, they, they recognize there is power in the cross. And that symbolizes it like they take the cross everywhere. When they buy a car, they hang the cross from the rearview mirror. You know, when, when they haven't got a cross on themselves, they have a cross tattooed in the wrist. So you can always recognize the Christians. And they say there is power in the cross. That's where Christ died for us. So how strong do we defend the cross? You know, when someone says, oh, you know, the cross and the Christians. You know, are we standing up for the cross? Because there is power in the cross. There's forgiveness in the cross. Our future is in the cross. And the Christians believe that in the persecuted world. We can take this example. We can take this in, in our areas, you know, and, and when other people make life difficult, we can say, there is power in the cross. You know, I will go for Jesus. It doesn't matter if they ridicule me or whatever. I go for it. And, and the, the gospel message is so strong for the Christians that they take risks to take it to other people. And this is one of the pictures. You know, they, the, the Kurdish Bible, it's, it's a little bit like this, and they only have one version, which is to carry it across the mountain. It's quite heavy. And they put them in, in parcels like this, and 60, 70 kilos on the back. And if you go to the next picture, uh, please. Without, uh, if, if you are at home, I apologize. But these pictures are not to be broadcasted. And, and sadly, it means that you will not see the way these, these people carrying these boxes. And they go over the mountains with 60, 70 kilos on the back. And two winters ago, there were two of those Bible carriers, and they were shot by the, the military, the border post. And out of, they, they always go in large groups, so there are, a couple of them are Christians, and the rest is secular, that's Muslims or whatever. And they go in, in long lines across the mountains, and the, the police came, or the border post, the, the border patrols, and they picked out the two Christians, and they shot them. But you know, they take the Bible, they go. Next winter, last winter, one of them actually slid down all this snow and he actually went down and he killed himself by falling down the mountain. Yet they go, they take the Bibles. Last, in, in May, one of my colleagues, he was in, in the north of Iraq and he met a lady. And next picture, please. Oh, sorry, this is just handing over the Bibles. So, so when they go over across, the, over across the mountains, they give the Bibles to these believers in, in, this, in this case, in northern Iran. And, and they see every single time when they hand the Bible across that, that the people are really appreciative. They say, you, you gave your life. Basically, you, you wanted to give your life for me to have this Bible. And, and in most cases, there the, are the, the tears rolling. And they really appreciate the Bible. And the Bible goes through. This, this is in northern Iran. In, in between March and April, we've sent 10,000 Bibles. And 
there was this little, we wanted to do a little food relief, a thousand parcels of food to the, some of the poor Christians in Iran. So we, we phoned to the, the pastor and said, can we do this? And he said, oh, that, that would be really lovely, you know, very nice. But can I ask you to send us 20,000 Bibles instead you know, to Iran? And amazingly, within a month, within a couple of weeks, we had 20,000 Bibles in the north of Iraq. Other agencies, they, they gave us the Bibles, and they went across the mountain. And again, two weeks ago, they phoned us, can you send more Bibles, another 10,000 or 20,000? Because we want Bibles. And they hand them out, despite the risks. Because in Iran, if you get caught with a Bible, you know, then you really be persecuted. And they say, bring them on, bring them on. Now, here we come with the next picture. We, we met this lady in, in May, and she said, you know, the, the, the guy, one of the guys that was killed one and a half year before, that was my husband. And she shared this first year, I was so angry and depressed. I didn't know how to deal with this. And then she said, but I will take revenge. I'll take Bibles into Iran. And she actually had a pack of, of 30 kilos or so, not as, as these guys are carrying, but she carried Bibles into Iran because she wanted to take revenge by taking Bibles to the Christians in Iran. And then she, she did realize it's a bit too much to, to have these heavy books. So she started in secret to copy the Bible onto microchips, so these micro SD cards. And you know you can copy a lot of them in, in, over time. So, so I think she had done five, six hundred now, and, and they go over the, over the border into Iran, and they're being distributed. Because if you go around with a heavy Bible, you're easily found. Yeah? So some people, they, they don't want to take that risk, but they want to read the Bible. And they want to take the Bible on the mobile phones, because then you put this card in and you read the Bible, and anywhere you go, you can read the Bible. So this lady was copying them. She says, now I can serve God. You know, bring Bibles to Iran because they need them. And another student, these are two different ladies, another student, she got one of the cards, a female girl. That's, that's logic, is it? Female girls. So she got one of those micro SDs and says, I want to copy them too. So she's copied also like 500, 600 of these things and spread, spreads them to the other students in the university in Iran. You know, it, it's unbelievable what people do to, to spread God's word. So this is the micro SD card. There's, there's another one. Yeah, you can move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, we leave that and then. So my, my partner walks through the bazaar. Again, the, the, this guy had this trip only two months ago. So he was a month in northern Iraq. He walks through the bazaar. He initially was waiting in the tea house to meet with, with one of the Kurdish people there. And he didn't turn up. So he thought, okay, let's just go to walk around a bit. And then God directed him to greet an, an, an old man, 50 years, you know, an old man. And he said, I think I have to greet you in the name of Jesus. Now, in public, you don't greet Muslims in the name of Jesus normally, because that is a huge risk. But he felt, I have to greet him in the name of Jesus. So he, he greeted the guy in the name of Jesus. And the man starts crying. He says, a year ago, I got a hold of one of those micro SD cards 
And I became a Christian reading through the Bible by myself. You know, and, and I'm so excited by the Bible. I've been sharing it with, with friends and I've got about 19 guys, you know, all over the city and we, we pray together and they all cr become Christians. And it all because of someone takes the, the, the risk of bringing one of those microchips into the country and people read it and they become Christians. It, it's, it's just amazing how God works in this case. You know, going back over the mountains, again, only recently, one of those, those people were caught and, and the, the soldiers, they found these microchips. So they said, okay, this doesn't look good, you know, let's take it to the general. So they took the microchip to the general and the general listened to it and, and the general in the end said, this is fantastic, this is good. I want a card of this to all my soldiers in the mountains. So when they sit at night, sitting quiet, being bored, they can read and listen to God's word. So then you think, okay, wow, you know, isn't it amazing? You expect the worst by, by the cards being found, the Bibles being found, and, and, you know, kind of being thrown in prison, but it multiplies. Because the, the risk that people take in bringing these cards, you know, now the, this whole area of Peshmerga, these soldiers, they have the Bible on their phones, you know, and, and they read this. And we just believe that God will, will call, like, like this old man, by himself, he became a Christian. You know, God will touch the hearts of many of those uh, Kurdish people. So, and the, and the reason I brought up the, the attitude, the first of the attitude, it, it all comes down, like, do we have the attitude of Christ in our lives? You know, Christ, and, and it's a little bit of my hobby horse, but Christ was in heaven, on the right-hand side of God. He, he put that being God aside, and he became like a human being, like us, and, and carried our sins in the end, and he died for us. Now, that attitude, do we have that attitude? Not necessarily about the dying bit, but do we have the attitude that we regard ourselves lower than the other people? Do we regard us as, as servants in Christ and regard the other people higher than ourselves? Because if, if you have that attitude, then it, it doesn't harm you to take a Bible to someone, you know, because you, you love the person and you see the value of, of the Bible if they would open it and read it. Because that's where the power of the cross comes in again. Let's introduce other people to this. You know, let's introduce people to, to the power of God's word, the power of Jesus. You know, when we spread God's word, this is what can happen. We, we had another person, the same thing, started with a card, little card, 25 different little house groups in the area, just because they started with, with God's word, you know, and, and, and it multiplies. So let's have the attitude of Christ in us and look at the power of the cross. Because without the power of the cross, without the cross, there would be no eternity. So I've asked the, the, the music, the band, to sing the, a particular song. I forgot the singer or so, but it, it goes about the power of the cross. Let me just uh, close with uh, a quick word of prayer before. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for, for your word. It's such a powerful book. There's such a wisdom, such a truth, such mystery in, in your word. 
and just knowing that there are people in, in very dangerous places giving their lives to bring your word to the people around them. And even just being dangerous by reading it in, in, the, in hidden places in the families. Lord, thank you that we have the freedom of opening your word in this country and just reading it in, in freedom. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, the power of the cross. Thank you that you came down and, and took, uh, took on the, the form of a human and that you died on the cross for us. And Lord, we look up to the cross. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Lord, that you died on that cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.